If your parents said that rich people were sleazy and they had to do something bad in order to get rich when you were younger, if you absorbed that information, you're going to view subconsciously money as this sleazy, dirty, bad thing. In order for you to become rich, you have to be a bad person. Welcome to the Life Coach Baker Podcast. I'm Nicole Baker, life coach for perfectionists who want to set goals and actually follow through with them. I went to my first personal development seminar at the age of one. Yes, I was quite literally born into this industry. But by 15, I started to implement this mindset mumbo jumbo I'd heard so much about and it worked. As a recovering perfectionist myself, I've been able to set goals that are way out of my comfort zone and achieve them by doing things imperfectly, without self-judgment, and without the fear of their opinions. And now I help others to do the same. So if you are capital D done feeling like a hostage to this a-hole called perfectionism, then this show is for you. My goal is for you to leave each episode with tactical action steps that you can start to implement in your life now. I may be in my 20s. I may have the voice of a sassier Cinderella, but I've been doing this personal development-ish since I was a toddler. So let's dive in. What is up, my sweet friends? Welcome back to another episode of the Life Coach Baker podcast, We are doing part one of a two-part series today because just last week I released a um, giveaway in my email list, which by the way, if you are not a part of and you're like, giveaway, what giveaway? I want to be a part of this. You can easily become a part of my email list by taking the what type of perfectionist are you quiz, which you can find in the link in the show notes, or you can go to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash quiz and find all the information there. But as a part of the um, quiz results, which you get by finding out obviously what type of perfectionist you are, there are three different types. If you have no idea what I'm talking about, take the quiz. It's really, really interesting. But you also get, in addition to learning what type you are, and a little bit of like a background of what the type is and what the struggles and what the um, the strong suits are of that type, you also get a next step for that particular type. And you also get added to my email list, which by the way, if you're like, I don't want to receive emails, but I want to be a part of the quiz, great. You can unsubscribe. That is no problem. In fact, if you are receiving emails from anyone, not just me, but you're like, oh gosh, I just don't ever open them and they're just annoying and they just email me so much, do me a favor and actually unsubscribe from them right now because when it comes to the email algorithm, if you are not opening emails or if you're just immediately deleting them, it can actually hinder people who want to read them. It can hinder their ability to receive those and get those at the top of their email inbox. Little side note on that. So, um, but if you are wanting to be a part of any future giveaways, I highly recommend hopping on my email list. Again, you can go to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash quiz to take the quiz and thus be added to my email list. But what I did last week is I released an email saying I am taking submissions for podcast topics. And in return, everyone who submits is going to be put into a little raffle and the winner gets a free spot in my Goal Smasher course, which was very, very fun. We had a lot of submissions and overwhelmingly so, a lot of the answers revolved around a few particular topics, which I thought was very interesting. But 
the clear winner, I would say by far, was money. And I, I, I believe this wholeheartedly because I think like this is such a taboo topic. And especially for people who are more in our generation, there's so much information out there on money that it's actually wildly overwhelming. And I've talked to a good number of people, and this is how I was for quite a long time. There was so much information out there that in fact, I actually would shy away and be like, there's too much information. That's too much over. That's so overwhelming. I don't even know where I would start. So I'm just going to keep doing things the way that I would. And I was wondering why I was a broke bartender in Chicago for so long. So, um, I, I decided to split this money topic up into two different parts because two reasons, really one, There were, in the submissions, there were two main pillars of the money topic. There was this idea of like, how much do I charge? How much do I, um, how can, how can I like review my rates? How do I do money goals? How do I do revenue goals? Kind of like the business around money. And then also, how do I define my worth around money? How is, how do I stop feeling like a complete shithole when it comes to money? Quote, um, and I want to start with the money mindset part, because here's the deal. If we were to just dive in straight into the, here's how to define your worth, here's how to define, which by the way, I hate that phrase, defining your worth. I think it is like one of the strangest phrases the human language has ever come up with because it puts in a dollar amount on our worth as a human being. I have a whole TED talk apparently about that. I won't go into that right now, but I'll just say, I'm going to phrase it that way for the continuity and so people know what I'm talking about, but please stop using that phrase if it is not making you feel good. I highly recommend that. But this idea of if we immediately jumped into this this business around money, how to charge, um, how to charge to your audience, how to um, boost sales, how to, how to like create revenue goals, all that kind of stuff. If we dove into that right away, we would kind of freak our subconscious mind out. Here's what I mean by that. If we were to just throw strategy right into the lion's den, then our subconscious mindset, our belief systems would be like, uh, this is not what we do. No, no, no. And it would freak out and bring us back to where we were. I like to think about it almost as like a thermostat. If our belief system is set to 68 degrees and we throw a strategy in it that raises the temperature to 95 degrees, that thermostat's going to kick on the AC and it's going to bring it back down to 72 degrees. Versus if we go in and change the thermostat to 95 degrees and then we throw in 95 degrees, then the thermostat's going to be like, okay, I'm going to stay here. So changing our mindset, or I'm not going to even say changing, but like readjusting our mindset around money is very important to do first because changing your belief systems, looking at money from a really um, subconscious form is how you adjust your money for a long-term change. Um, We're going to go through a four-step exercise about how to adjust your money mindset, how to change it. If you have read any money mindset book on the face of the planet, this is going to sound really familiar. A lot of this stuff is just repurposed in book after book after book. 
It's always said differently, which I think is really important because sometimes we hear something phrased even just slightly differently and it totally clicks for us, even if we've heard that same saying over and over and over again our whole lives. So even if you're like, oh my God, I've read so many money mindset books. I don't want li- blah, 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 blah. to listen to this episode. It's going to be the same thing. I still recommend listening it to for, again, two reasons. One, because you're, you could hear something said differently and it totally clicked for you in a different way. And two, we are never done doing this exercise. So many people think if they do it just once and they're like cookie cutter, they're all good to go. They're flying free for the rest of their life. And unfortunately, that is just not the case. I have done this exercise so many times. I've read so many books on money mindset and, um, it, it changes every time because you change as a human being. You up-level as a human being which each, with each time you do this exercise. And no matter what, you're still always uncovering new and new things. It's like that idea that we think that if we do – I like to put it this way. If we go to the gym one time, we're not going to have a six-pack, right? So we have to keep going to the gym, going to the gym, going to the gym. And it could be wanting a six-pack. It could be wanting to feel healthier, more strong, whatever. But if we go to the gym once and expect to feel healthy, strong, and good for the rest of our lives, that's not really how health works. Same thing with money mindset. We can't do this exercise just once and say, okay, I'm healthy with money for the rest of my life. It is a daily conditioning, which we'll talk about that a little bit more. But like I said, I'm going to split this episode into two different parts. Part one today is the money mindset. And then part two next week, which will be more the business of money, how to define how much to charge, how to raise your rates, how to feel like you deserve the money that you're making. That's a huge one I kept seeing over and over again. So we're getting to that. But first and foremost, let's dive into our segments for the week, which is one, how was I imperfect this week? And two, what is a goal to celebrate? Number one, how was I imperfect? First and foremost, I'm still off of coming off of COVID, at least as uh, when I'm recording this. And um, it has really shaken up my rhythm. <laughs> I don't know how else to phrase it. Luckily, I'm feeling so much better. So is my fiance. Um, and we're very fortunate to be in a health position where it we are safe. We are really in a good spot. I'm very, very, very fortunate. And unfortunately, I know that's not how a lot of people have experienced COVID, and that breaks my heart. But um, we are both very fortunate that we are feeling much better. We're on the mend. Our isolation period is actually almost over. Um, but it it is so weird because I've been thrown off my usual rhythm so much that I've needed to take a lot of extra time to rest and a lot of less time working and throwing myself into the work lion's den like a lot of us kind of feel like we have to quote unquote have to do in January. Um, There's this presupposition that in January or Q1, if you will, it's like hit the ground running, hit the pavement, go, 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 get the goals, crush the goals, you can do this, get the New Year's resolutions, brah. And I'm not going to lie, there's a part of me that's almost grateful that I was forced, I'm going to say forced, to slow down and really take this time intentionally and, and be kind of 
forced to take my schedule really intentionally. There's a very few things I'm able to do every day just for a sheer thing of energy. And I've been really paring back and seeing, okay, like what's the most important thing today and all the other stuff, can it wait or does it even need to be done? And more often than not, it was, it doesn't need to be done. And that has felt really liberating. And actually what I've noticed recently is that I'm getting closer to some of my goals that I had set for all of January because I'm cutting out all the extra BS And I'm really just focusing on what is the most important. And it's been really enlightening. And I highly recommend that if you're looking at your schedule and feeling so overwhelmed and feeling like, oh my God, it feels like I'm already burning myself out or I'm already on the road to burning myself out. I really recommend saying, okay, what are my goals for work? What are my personal goals? And how can I cut out the other bullshit? How can I cut out the stuff that's just fluff? And see what happens because more often than not, you'll actually get way further than if you just keep doing all the fluff stuff that you feel like you quote should be doing. I was doing this a lot of in my business when I first started, I was doing all the stuff that you should do as a entrepreneur. I'm heavily, heavily air quoting that because I think that is, there is no should as an entrepreneur. Everyone's entrepreneurial journey is different. Everyone's business is different. There's this like, weird status quo that if you're not doing all the platforms and if you're not constantly releasing a new course and if you're not constantly booking clients and you're failing at business. And no, that is not the case at all. Everyone's business looks different. Everyone's business journey looks different and everyone's business goals look different. So please, please, please stop using everyone else's measuring stick for your own. Actually, I was reading a book on money just recently. Um, It's called I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi. We're going to talk about it later in the episode. But I, (laughs) I like open up the book and the first, first sentence or first paragraph is all about if you did every single thing for your morning routine that an Instagram influencer tells you to do, you would be waking up at 4 a.m., meditating by 401, working out at 5 a.m., eating a kale smoothie at 6.30, blah, 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 blah. It was like, it was this outrageously complicated morning that is so, for many people, not possible. And I love that he mapped that out because he's just like, look, you can't do what everyone tells you you're supposed to do. Because it's not possible. And the same thing goes with your business. I know this is all about the mindset behind money, but I do want to throw that in there because that's really important. And then what is a goal to celebrate? So, well, two, two really. Um, Two is apparently the magic number of this episode. I feel like (laughs) there's so many, like two reasons. Um, But there are two reasons, two things to celebrate. Number one is by the time this episode is released, I will have had my birthday. It is over the weekend and I'm so excited. My fiance and I are going to be out of isolation period. We're going to go down to Denver and do just a romantic night getaway at a hotel. And I think I actually talked about this a few episodes ago. I might've, might've, or I, I know I talked about it on Instagram. That's right. Um, but I, had this dream board last year and on my dream board, there's a spot in Denver that I just 
adore, like absolutely adore it. Just like everything about it, the energy of it, um, the kind of poshness of it. It was just, it's just this photo that I'm just like, Ooh, that feels like luxurious almost to me. And I had this photo on my dream board for a whole year and Brett and I go to book a hotel in Denver and we're like, do to do researching around. We're looking in the area we really like. And we finally book a hotel and we're like, okay, great. Like confirmation page and done. And the photo on the confirmation page for this hotel was the exact same photo. I, to the T, the exact same photo that was on my dream board for a whole year. And that was so cool. And I'm so excited. So we're going to be doing that over the weekend and having a nice little getting dressed up and going out to dinner and all these things that we just haven't really done in a while because life and holidays and all this stuff. So really getting a time to really bond and and date, if you will. Um, And my second one is I'm so excited because there's a lot of media opportunities that are coming up for me pretty soon. And I want to do kind of like a peek behind the curtain because um, something I've been focusing on pretty much for the month of January, like I like I teased about earlier, um, my my goal for the year was a lot more like media and speaking and and motivational speaking and stuff like that because it's just something I've realized how much I just adore doing. And so I've been pitching myself almost every single day, except for when I obviously had COVID because that was a little little hiccup in my plan. But um, I've been pitching almost every single day for the month of January that to media opportunities, to different um, articles, publications, podcasts, groups, programs, uh, college programs, all these different things. And I am I'm celebrating this goal, honestly, for for two reasons. Shocking. The number is two again. The number one is I'm not just celebrating when I get the media opportunities. Note that I'm not saying like, hooray, I have, I have so many media opportunities come up and that's the goal that I'm celebrating. It's not that. It's the fact that I'm pitching every day for almost all of the month of January, these opportunities to get the word out there, to spread to a new audience. And I'm not just celebrating when that goal is achieved from the outside, aka receiving a yes. I'm celebrating the fact that it's an internal accomplishment. I'm personally keeping up with my um, reaching out every single day and receiving a lot of crickets, receiving a lot of no's, receiving a few yeses here and there, which made me thrilled. But the celebration comes from that inward, going out, like getting out of my comfort zones, pitching to different opportunities. And the second reason I'm I'm sharing this is because back when I was first starting my business and I would listen to these like business podcasters, I heard so often them talk about like, okay, I, you know, I'm featured in Vogue or I'm featured in like Entrepreneur Magazine and all this stuff. And I had this, this, idea that like, okay, they've, they've, they were reached out to, like they were reached out to, and they're just so amazing that these publications just like need to have them on their platform. I'm so far away from that. Oh my gosh. Like how do they do that? How do they get that? And I want to just say like, unless you're a very certain group of people, that is truly just not the case. It is these people 
pitching themselves to be featured in these publications. It's not that they've been like reached out to, again, unless it's a very certain group of people. But more often than not, it's these, these businesses pitching and networking and getting their faces out there and, and pitching article ideas and pitching their TED Talks and all these different things. And it, it totally blew my mind when I started realizing like, oh, wait, no, this comes from internal. This comes from like a PR side. And that's when I honestly started getting over my fear of talking and pitching myself to different opportunities. And I started doing it. And since that, I would say like probably a few months after starting it, because I had to refine and, and get better at reaching out and stuff like that. But several months after starting to do that, I started getting a lot of yeses to the point where now it's a pretty normal part of my business. And I don't say that to brag. I say that to say, this is from an internal work. And if you're thinking that, oh, like it's just all people reaching out to her or that other podcaster I listen to and blah, blah, blah. Think again, because it more often than not is someone from the inside reaching out and pitching and doing that. So I wanted to just do a peek behind the curtain because this is a goal to celebrate the fact that I'm I'm doing this and I feel really good about it and I'm thrilled about it. But I want to show you that it comes from the inside. It's not from this like bestow upon golden email that someone just reaches out to you with. So if you are someone who sees that in their future, first of all, I would love to talk to you about it. If you want to sign up for a free discovery call, it is 30 minutes of you and I totally comped. I love doing discovery calls. They're so fun. I am now doing two a week. For a long time, I was just doing one, but now I'm doing two a week. The link is in the show notes if you want to do that, or you can go to lifecoachbaker.com and hit book a discovery call at the top bar. But I I, I say this because it's, it's a huge part of of growing a community, of um, growing a business, and it's fun. It's honestly just fun. So those are my two big segments. Let's dive into the episode, though, because this is a big topic and we got a lot to cover. So like I said, this is going to be a two-parter episode, and we're going to start with the mindset of money. And note, I'm going to be dropping a lot of book titles in this episode, probably in the next two episodes. The reason being is because me personally, I believe that whenever we want to learn or or get immersed in a subject, we have to learn and immerse ourselves in it. And one of the easiest and most um, obtainable ways for both your wallet, for both your time, for um, a lot of different reasons is to read and to read books about it and to educate yourself on these topics. I, for so long, just thought like, oh, I'm doing money wrong. Eventually, I'll just do money right. Like, that was seriously a thought pattern I had for years. It was just kind of like, a, oh, I'll get to it eventually. Oh, I'll get to it eventually. And just thinking that someday the the knowledge was going to be just, just bestowed upon me. And I had to learn that that is not true at all. And that if I want to know about the stuff, I need to seek out that knowledge on my own. So I started listening to podcasts. I started reading books obsessively about the mindset of money, investing, um, becoming financially free, because that's a huge goal of mine. And um, it became one of the best ways I addressed my money mindset because I was immersing myself in an environment that was so different from my own money mindset. If we keep up what we're always doing, 
it's not going to help us. So trying to change it up, like absorbing new material. We talk often on the show that you become the five people you hang out with the most. That includes books and authors and podcasters. If you listen to a podcast every day or every other day, and that tends to be one of the five people you hang out with most, they might not even know you exist, but you know that they do. You absorb their information honestly so often, they will become one of your five people. And a really good way of doing this is through education, is through learning. And books are not not normally very expensive. You can also go to the library and get them for free. My mom was actually just telling me yesterday about how she went onto the library and got audiobooks for free, and she was so excited about it. So that is also an option. I look in your your personal town or your personal city because I don't. I'm sure it's different for every single person. Um, you can also do things like Scribd, which is not a advertiser for this podcast. It's just a platform I truly love. Um, Scribd.com. It's a monthly membership. I think of like ten or fifteen dollars, but you get unlimited access to books, PDFs, audiobooks, articles, podcasts. Um, if you're an artist, sheet music. I had this when I was musical theater, primarily in musical theater, and there is buku amounts of free sheet music on there. I mean, free if you do the monthly membership. Um, that's just included in that membership, and it's fantastic. So I personally really like that one. I also do Audible. Um, every month, and I normally re-listen to books pretty often. And then me personally, I also get up at 5.30 every morning, journal for 30 minutes, and then read for almost an hour um, because it's it's truly just that important to me. So I'm not saying that you suddenly have to do a 5.30 a.m. wake up with an hour of reading in order to master your money mindset. I'm not saying that at all. But what I am saying is even just 15 minutes a day, of reading or listening to a book or a podcast on money mindset will adjust your life and change it. I I really and truly believe that. I also believe that this is a personal belief I've had for a a few years now, um, which has not done me wrong yet. But I, I only take advice from people who are living the quality of life I want to be living. And that's not to say if someone gives me advice, I'm like, get out of my face. No, that's dumb. I would never do that. That's so mean. But what I am saying is that if I'm going to take someone's advice and and alter my life as a result of it, if it really hits home that much, then I want it to be from someone who is living the quality of life that I want to be living. So for example, when it comes to money, I want to be taking advice from the people who are financially free, who are living with of such a peace, an inner peace around money, who feel like they deserve money and are unafraid to scream that from the rooftops. I want to be taking advice from those types of people. So that's another reason I read constantly about money. Um, so let's dive in, shall we? First and foremost, we all have different definitions of money. Yes, logically, we all probably have a very similar one saying money is the currency that gets us things and whatever. But subconsciously, we all have very different definitions about things that tend to be a little bit more um, taboo, we'll call it. 
In fact, I was in a seminar or more like a training for my neurolinguistic programming training um, several years ago. And we did an exercise where they said, okay, you can either write down the word money or you can write down the word sex. Which one do you want to write down? And it was presented in a way he was like shaking his head with money and shaking his head yet or nodding his head yes with sex. And we're like, I think we're being led. So let's write down the word sex. So all of us wrote down the word sex on a piece of paper, underlined it and wrote down five synonyms that we believe are synonymic with sex. So for some people, it was love, passion, um, raw. Some people, it was um, dirty and wrong and um, private. Some people, it was intimate and romantic. It, it was so across the board. And no two people had the same, I think, even two words. I think the most that people had in common were two words. No people had the same five words by any measuring stick. But we often do this, I at least I often do this with my clients around the word money. Because more often than not, if I ask them to sit down and write out their words that they associate with money, it's words like sleazy, dirty, don't deserve, um, unobtainable, uh, challenging, confusing, taboo. It's words that are so negatively, emotionally heightened with money. And I say this because if you were to ask someone who was maybe financially free, who felt such an ease and grace and and gratitude with money, if you ask them to do that same exercise, I guarantee you the word sleazy will probably not be under it. So where do we get these definitions from? In fact, if you want to, write down the word money and write down, pause pause this episode right now, and write down five words you associate with it. Excuse me. Write down five words you associate with it. It is a very weird exercise. Now, I do always like to point out, now that you know the the sneaky secrets behind it, try your best not to put it through a modifier. Meaning, if you are like, okay, well, I should put down freedom or peace or whatever. If you feel like you should be writing the word down, it does not belong on this list. Now, I do often have people, after they've written their first list, write down a second list, again, underlining the word money, and writing down five words they want to associate with the word money. And more often than not, there might be like one or two crossovers, but most of the words have drastically changed. New Year's resolutions are here. Now, whether that fills you with excitement or total dread, did you know that 90% of New Year's resolutions fail by February? February! And that percentage only gets higher for perfectionists. You know, because all of that, all or nothing, not being productive equals I'm lazy, high expectations crap that you're so used to. Now, if you listen to this podcast, I know you're reaching for more. More goals, more stepping into your own power, more fuck yes, I'm awesome moments in your life. And of course, less perfectionism. That's why this New Year's, I don't want you to fall prey to the resolution doom. In Goal Smasher, 
my goal-setting course specifically made for perfectionists, hi, that's you, you'll learn exactly how to clarify those big, bad, beautiful, high-expectation goals that you have. You'll learn exactly how to start pursuing them without burnout, overwhelm, or procrastination. Plus, you'll learn the personal development secret sauce that turns I don't wanna into I can and I will, creating consistent motivation for yourself. P.S. This is the biggest reason why New Year's resolutions fail, and we have an entire module devoted to it. You can literally start the first lesson of Goal Smasher today. Literally, you can start diving into it right after you listen to this episode. Get your hands on Goal Smasher by going to lifecoachbaker.com forward slash Goal Smasher or by clicking the link in the show notes. Now, back to the episode. So where do we get these definitions from? These, these five words or these money beliefs, if you will. Where do we get these from? And more often than not, it is from our sweet, sweet parents or guardians. Because when we are building our subconscious mind, when it's forming, it's anywhere between our ages two and seven, sometimes as late as 12. But then it stops or it like hugely slows down. And that means that we are just a bunch of two through 12-year-olds running around in adult bodies pretending we know the ways of the world. But a lot of the times our subconscious mind, and by the way, if you're kind of like, okay, I know what the subconscious mind is, but do you mind giving me like a five-second tutorial? The subconscious mind is like the the person who's in the driver's seat. It is the the controller of the circuit board. Your subconscious mind is constantly in control of your thoughts, your actions, your habits. All those things that we do throughout the day often stem from our unconscious mind or subconscious mind. They are where all our beliefs are stored. It is where all of our autopilot habits are stored, our universal beliefs, um, meaning um, people are blank. If this, then that. All the rules that we have in order to feel certain emotions are stored in our subconscious mind. A lot, a lot of really important stuff is in this little hub in our brain. Now, our conscious mind is what makes decisions. It is what turns on when we're in um, like fight or flight. If we need to make a decision or um, if we're doing something new or anything like that, that is the conscious mind turning on. Spoiler alert, a lot in this episode, we're going to be tapping into that conscious mind as well as the subconscious mind. Personal development is like a nice little happy dance between the two. You're tapping a lot into your subconscious mind and covering some things that maybe have been on autopilot or maybe you haven't been consciously aware of for a long time. And you're able to instead tap into your conscious mind and see if these are really worth being in your subconscious mind. That is like a 101 super umbrella version of what we're going to be doing here, but that's kind of the the conscious and the subconscious mind. So back to money, if your parents said that rich people were sleazy and they had to do something bad in order to get rich when you were younger, if you absorbed that information, you're going to view subconsciously money as this sleazy, dirty, bad thing. 
in order for you to become rich, you have to be a bad person. So luckily, this is our current autopilot way of thinking, but thanks to something called neuroplasticity, which is basically like our brain as Plato being able to be reshaped, reformed, new beliefs being made in our mind. This is not how life always has to be. Sometimes when we talk about like the mechanism or the subconscious mind being negative or having negative beliefs that are screwing you over, it can be really discouraging. People hear that and they're like, well, this is just how my life is always going to be then. No, not necessarily. Thank goodness for neuroscience. We know that the brain is constantly reshaping and reforming, but it has to be from a conscious decision. That is why, number one, step one always is awareness. You have to become aware as to what your common beliefs are around money that are in your subconscious mind so that you can consciously change them. And if you consciously change them enough times, eventually your brain says, okay, I got it, we're good. And it stores it in your subconscious mind and rewrites that old belief. It is really cool watching this happen. But there are a few tips and tricks that make it a lot easier and actually make them stick, which we're going to talk about throughout the episode. So a good way to find out what your common current beliefs are around money is to ask the question simply of what was said around you regarding money growing up. By the way, this whole what are my current beliefs around money question is a non-negotiable step one. If you try to change, let's view it this way. If you went into a garden and it was covered in weeds and you just decided to plant a bunch of flowers, would those weeds still be there? Absolutely. Would they eventually take over the flowers? I'm not a gardener, but I'm going to, for the sake of this metaphor, yes, they eventually would take over the flowers. But if you went in instead, before planting flowers, you went in with with gloves and, and determination and you ripped those weeds out from the root, and then you went in and planted flowers, you're going to have a beautifully flowered garden. No weeds in sight. Figuring out what your current beliefs are and becoming aware of them is the same freaking thing. That is why this is a non-negotiable step one. Figuring out what your current beliefs are and what step two is, is ripping them out from the roots. But we'll get to that in a second. So if you're also having trouble thinking of options, if for instance, the question of what was said around you about money growing up doesn't really heed a lot of answers, think about it this way. If you had an abundance of money, what would your life look like? And as you're writing, do any thoughts come up that say, um, you can't have that? Or, oh my God, you want that? Are you serious? Like, but there are people starving and you want a yacht? Those kinds of thoughts or hesitations, if they pop up, congratulations, those are your limiting beliefs around money. So let's do an example. For me personally, one of my big old limiting beliefs around money was if you're selling, that means you're sleazy or dirty or selling equals personal gain, basically. Now, I'm an entrepreneur. This is not really a good limiting belief to have around money, right? So what I did is I first of all figured out where the hell did this come from? And I realized a lot of it was from 
personal experiences growing up, from things I heard growing up, but also I looked at what is the life I want? I want this life that's financially free, that has peace and ease around money, that has money flowing to me frequently and easily, like all these wonderful, just like beautiful things around money. But there was this voice inside me that said, well, in order to do that, you have to sell. And that's dirty. And it screwed me over for so long. For so long, I was charging pennies for what the work that I was putting out and the work that I was doing. And I was wondering why I wasn't full-time in my business. I was wondering why everything felt so hard and and difficult all the time. And I'm not going to lie, there was a little part of me that even was finding some nobility in the struggle or some significance in the struggles of, of not having enough money. And I realized just how freaking twisted this was. And we'll go into debunking this in a second, but... I, I, there was, there was so many reasons why I, I po- all signs pointed to this. And it wasn't until finally my coach and I were sitting down and she was like, why are you not charging X amount? And I was like, it just blurted out of me. I was like, well, because selling is sleazy. And she goes, what, what are you talking about? Like, let's talk this out. This is really important. And she was so kind and so wonderful about it, but she helped me completely reframe this belief because I realized by me not selling my services, I wasn't helping the people I was put on this earth, at least in my opinion, and my full, full-fledged belief that I was put on this earth to help people overcome this, this intense self-doubt that we have. And if I'm not charging then I'm burning myself out because I'm putting out so much work and making pennies. I'm eventually not going to be able to do this anymore just from sheer exhaustion. If I can't do this, then I can't help people. So by charging an amount that felt really good and aligned with me, I was actually able to help more people. And by the time I made that reframe, I was like, oh my God, selling isn't sleazy Selling is service. Selling is helping. Because if I'm not charging or if I'm not charging enough, quote unquote, then I'm just going to run myself into the ground and not be able to do this ever. So I I made that big transformation in my brain and it helped so much to the point that actually in the next month, I ended up making about a hundred times more than I had ever made in my business ever because of that simple reframe. So if I, I want you all to take a moment, this is going to be a very interactive episode. I want you to take a moment and write down what are some things that your family or parents or guardians said about money growing up. And if you still believe them, especially write them down. Secondly, if that didn't quite get the emotional or that like clicking of like, oh shit, yeah, that's definitely my limiting beliefs around money. Write down, if I had an abundance of money, what would my life look like? And as you're writing, any hesitations, any um, uh, roadblocks, any negative sayings or words that come up, immediately write them down. Oh, you don't deserve that. Or, oh my God, you you think you can get that? Are you serious? Those kinds of words are so important when we are doing this kinds of exercise. Cool? Once you've done that, move on to step two, which is debunking it. 
odds are that if your limiting beliefs around money are like normal limiting beliefs around money, money doesn't grow on trees, rich people are evil, um, I don't deserve that amount of money because children are starving in um, fucking Bora Bora. Like, it's just, you know, like, there's so much of this, like, if they have it, then I can't. Or if I have it, then they can't. And I'm taking it from someone else. But odds are that if you're looking at your money beliefs, your logical brain is probably saying, oh my God, that's not true. Like, Nicole, are you serious? Rich people are sleazy. That's not true. You know that's not true. But there's still a part of your subconscious mind that believes it. And as long as your subconscious mind believes it, aka as long as the driver believes it, it is acting as if that is capital T truth. So beliefs are just that. They are something you believe because your brain believes that it's true. Whether they are or not, honestly, a lot of the times our beliefs are just things that we saw examples of as a kid and we wrote a story in our head that, oh my gosh, because mom and dad are fighting, that means money is evil and it creates fights. So I'm never going to have it in my, in my life so I don't get hurt when it comes to love. Believe it or not, that's a really common one. But odds are that's probably not very true. So how do you change a belief? You shake your faith in the truth of that belief. AKA, you go on a rant. Why is this belief absolute horseshit? If your belief is rich people are sleazy, why is that totally bullshit? Are all rich people doing bad things? Probably not. If your belief is in there is nobility and struggles of being poor, why is that absolutely bullshit? Is there really a lot of nobility in struggling? Will that give you any happiness, fulfillment, or joy down the line? What about wanting money makes you a bad person? Why is that bullshit? What are all the amazing things that you could do to help the world out if you had money? Can you do those things easily when you're poor? Probably not. Easily being the operative term there, by the way. By the way, As you're going through this, and if you're writing down your old belief, and it's so emotionally charged, which normally they are very emotionally charged because it's from our childhood. We have a lot of emotions around our childhood. If that is a very emotionally charged belief, and you're writing it down, and you're debunking it, you're writing about all the reasons why it's bullshit, and your reasons why it's not true do not create a high level of emotion, It is not going to rewrite that belief in your system. Here's what I mean. Emotion creates neuropathways, aka connections in our brain. If emotion creates neuropathways, emotion can also rewrite, shape, and change neuropathways. Indifference does nothing to change your brain. So that's why I said earlier, go on a rant. I mean, get fucking mad, (laughs) like get charged, get um, heated. I mean, there is a reason why when we are writing about why all the reasons that a belief is not true, a lot of the times people tend to start get like letting loose tears or start getting like almost like angry shakes 
because it is so emotionally charged. A, because we've been believing this our whole life and we're writing down all the reasons why it's basically holding us back. And two, our subconscious mind is freaking out. When it freaks out, it normally releases a high level of emotion. That's good. We want that. Emotion rewrites, changes, and alters neural pathways, right? But if we just make it indifferent, if we just say, um, well, rich people aren't really that sleazy because, you know, uh, they're out there doing good things in the world with X, Y, and Z, and there's this, this, and this, and this, this, like, that is, that is nothing. None of that is going to change your brain. Instead, if you say, rich people aren't sleazy because Uncle Rick, did you know he has like four Teslas and he gives them away and it makes people so incredibly happy. And those tears of joy of people receiving such a gift gives them so much um, fulfillment and joy and, and ambition to become a better person. And it's, it's making the world go around and making the world a better place by passing one thing along to the next. And it just, I see the, the, joy it brings other people on there. Do you see the difference there? There's such a huge emotional difference. That second one rewrites belief systems. Now it might not for you because you might have a very different answer. Personal development is personal. That's great. I hope you have a different answer. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to write out that belief that you have around money. Now, odds are from the first question, you might have multiple beliefs. Maybe you have five that all feel pretty emotionally charged. I want you to pick one that feels like a little bit more emotionally charged than the other ones, or maybe it's a lot more emotionally charged than the other ones. And if all of them feel pretty equal, great. Pick one, doesn't matter. Move your, close your eyes and move your finger up and down the list and just land on one. Pick that one, great. Start somewhere is basically what I'm saying. Once you have that belief, I want you to write it out again. Cross it out with all your might of your mighty pen and write out all the reasons why it's bullshit. By the way, if writing is not giving you that emotional charge, go on a verbal rant. I have done this in my notes app on my phone or in my um, voice notes. Sometimes I'll, uh, if I have like a belief and I'm like, oh, I'm not really getting that emotional charge that I need to in order to rewrite this belief when I'm typing it out or writing it out. And so what I do instead is I start a voice note. I say, let's say the example is um, rich people are sleazy. I say rich people are sleazy is absolute bullshit because da 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 da. And I go on a fucking long rant. And it's actually a lot easier to do that verbally than it is to physically write it out because you're able to talk a lot faster than you are able to write, right? So that is step one and step two. Again, pause this audio. Do this in real time. If you say, oh, you know, I'm just gonna do this eventually. No, that does not cut it. If you clicked on this episode and you said, oh God, I need some work on my money mindset and then say, oh, I'm just gonna do this exercise eventually. No, that does not cut it. Eventually is not a time of the week. Please schedule this out. Put a note in your calendar that for an hour on Friday, you're going to do this money mindset exercise or do this in real time with me. But the the big overwhelming thought around this is just do this work. Do not think your way through this exercise. It does not work as well. Seriously. Seriously. Sit down to write this out or 
physically, verbally say this in your notes. You can also do a hybrid of the two. But do this exercise. This is so important, please. So step three, rewrite them. You know why this belief is bullshit. Now you get to write down what's true. The truth is, da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Again, this works really well verbally. Going into your notes app, rich people are sleazy is absolute bullshit because the truth is, go on a rant. What's true? Rich people aren't sleazy. Rich people have worked hard, and more often than not, they're making the world a better place. They have the resources to make the world so much better. If I was rich, then I would be able to change the world how. Again, this is just an example. Yours can be totally different. But emotion, again, is the name of the game here. If your truth does not strike a chord with you or feel like there's some element of absolute truth in it, your brain will have a really hard time believing it. The way to add truth to a statement when you're rewriting a belief is get that emotion behind it. So a different way that you can approach this question if what's true is too daunting, I'll call it, a different way you can approach this question is what do you want to believe about money? Or when you think about a rich life for yourself, allow yourself to truly close your eyes and dream. Go on a, go through a day of you as a rich person. By the way, rich does not mean all the time having a yacht or having a multi-trillion dollar home. A rich life is something so different to each person. Actually, um, in the book, I Will Teach You to Be Rich by Ramit Sethi, I think we talked about it earlier in the episode, which, by the way, is a fantastic book. I highly recommend it. That book, they talk about the definition of rich life. And he gives an example in a podcast interview he did a few months after writing the second edition of the book. He talks about how he received this message from a woman who said, my rich life is going into Whole Foods and purchasing whatever the hell I want. That was her rich life. Now, he also goes on a little bit of a rant because this woman has a net worth of multi, multi millions of dollars. And he's like, that's your rich life. Dream a little here. But for some of you, that might be the rich life you see. That's great. Take a day. Go through a day as your rich person's life and really let yourself dream here. How does it feel? What do they believe about money? By the way, what do they believe? Those get to be your new truths around money. If they say, money just feels easy. Money flows to me constantly. Money is easy. And um, I'm an intelligent person when it comes to money. I think that's that's a big one for me personally. When I closed my eyes and pictured my rich life, it was because money felt easy. It felt like something I knew, like neuroscience or like uh, math from second grade. It felt like something that I just had under my belt. And that made it feel a lot less daunting. By the way, right after I did that, I started getting more educational around money. 
started listening to more podcasts, reading more books. By the way, a really good book for this exercise is Rich as Fuck. It's literally the name of the title. It's by Amanda Francis, who's a bunny coach on Instagram, and she's really good at what she does. Very, very, very good. Um, But it's literally the tagline of the book is more money than you know what to do with. And I think that that is just one of the coolest sayings ever. But she talks a lot about what is this rich life for yourself, getting in the feeling of it, getting in the emotion of it. So if this is a question that you're kind of struggling with, or you're thinking like, oh, I'd like to dive into this a lot more. That is a great book for you to check out. Rich as Fuck by Amanda Francis. Very good book. But writing down what do they believe around money? That rich version of yourself, what do they believe around money? Write this down. Now, again, if this feels him, huh, try again. These will be personal for you, but they have to have that emotional charge behind it. This might take a few rounds. This might take a few minutes. This might take 30 plus minutes. There's a reason why when we first start to write down new beliefs, why it feels kind of weird and challenging. You've spent most of your life believing a negative or limiting belief around money. It's a lot, it's really hard to come up with an immediate, oh, hey, let's just believe this now. Hooray. Like that doesn't, that doesn't work a lot of the time. So we need to really like peel back the layers of the onion. That's why we first debunk it. We make it not true because if our brain starts to doubt it, we're able to open up that creativity pathway of, well, if that's not true, then what is? And since our brain is programmed to answer questions, asking what is true is a good question to ask a confused brain. But try this a few times. Write out, I, one of my favorite exercises to write out in detail what is your rich life really getting into the details of it. 10 years from now, five years from now, one year from now, what does a rich life look like for you? And what does that version of yourself believe around money? That is the real powerful question here. Take a minute, pause the audio and do this question now. Take a minute. This is allowed to take a second. If by the way, if working on your money mindset is really important to you and you're like, oh, I'll just do this for five minutes. Ask yourself, how important is this belief system change for me? What will this do to my life if I actually change my money mindset? Is it really worth just five minutes? Or is it worth a few extra to change the quality of your life around money? Step four, this is the last step. We're almost there, guys. This is actually more of an expectation. Don't expect this shit to change overnight. This is conditioning daily, by the way. People expect often to be masters at a new mindset, a new habit, after they've literally been conditioning themselves their whole entire lives to be horrified at money. Let's say, for example, you wrote down this beautiful new money mindset and you're like, oh my God, this feels so freaking good. I love it. I'm going to believe this for the rest of my life now. I'm good. I just wrote it down once, so I'm good for the rest of my life. That is not how this works. Again, if you went to the gym once and expected to suddenly become healthier, more energy, all those good feelings that we get from going to the gym or from working out our body, if you expect that by just going to the gym once, that's not going to cut it, right? If you go to the gym daily or 
con- or consistently, let me say that instead, because going to the gym daily is a little of a high expectation. But if you went to the gym consistently, let's say maybe four days a week, five days a week, you're a lot more likely to get on that road to that healthy energy glow that we we expect when we take care of our bodies and work out. So this is the same thing. You can't just expect to do this once and never look at it again and think that you're going to change. This is the hard shit, but it's so worth it. When you sit down, write out these new beliefs and look at them daily, feel that emotional charge behind them daily, your brain will change so fast you don't even know. It takes over 800 repetitions to create and strengthen a new neural pathway. Unless you do it with a strong emotional charge behind it. Then it takes anywhere between 15 and 20 times. 800 versus 15 to 20. I don't know about you, but I'm going to go with that 15 to 20. So if I can just look at something, feel that emotional charge behind it 15 to 20 times, maybe in a week, maybe in several weeks, maybe in a day, it will change your brain and change your life. So I want you to ask yourself, how can you make this a daily practice? And I'll give you some examples of what I personally do. This is when I'm rewriting any new belief, whether it's money, whether it's um, self-worth, whether it's confidence, whether it's relationships, whatever it is, whenever I'm rewriting a new belief, I do some cocktail of the following. I write an alarm that goes off every single day to remind me or to ask me a question that gets me back in state. For an example, with money, it might be an alarm that goes off at 2 p.m. every day that says, close your eyes and feel the ease of money. That is a very specific emotional charge for me that creates a ease and enjoyment around money. By the way, if I'm in the middle of doing something like with health insurance or whatever that like is costing more or kind of like wigging out that belief of like, oh my God, money is scary. And then I have that alarm go off and I immediately tap into the ease of money. Wow, it changes my experience tenfold. Vision board. I have a vision board every single year. I just finished mine for this year and it is so pretty. But I have a vision board that has everything from... um looks and outfits and feelings from those outfits that I want to create to a dream home to um, a revenue hit goal that I want to make to um, (laughs) I'll go ahead and tell you a very specific one giving a TED talk um, uh, having a group of female entrepreneurs all around me there's so many different things on my vision board but they all have a very specific emotional charge And so every morning I sit down and I look at it and I just close my eyes for a second and feel those feelings inside me. And it, it's awesome. I don't, I don't have any other way of saying it. Reading. I also read a lot. Listening to podcasts and books and all that kind of stuff is also included in this. Basically furthering my education around this. We become who we hang out with. So if I'm reading a bunch of books on like money mindset from people who have mastered the money game, my brain is going to change rapidly to believe that that is a 
a standard of living and not in a pressure way, but in an exciting, let me level up my energy way. I have a coach who pushes me out of my comfort zone constantly, (laughs) whether it's with money or with, like I said at the beginning of the episode, with outreach or with pitching a freaking TED talk, things that are, um, wildly out of my comfort zone, but having someone or a mentor or a coach who pushes you towards that new life really freaks out your subconscious in the best way. Visualization, doing this throughout the day, doing this in the morning, doing this with three dreams that you want to make happen, and they could be different dreams every single morning. But closing your eyes and visualizing yourself living them is really powerful. And then one of my personal favorite, this is when it comes, this is a specific money one, But um, whenever I'm making a purchase on my card, um, for a long time, I would get really stressed out. Like, oh my God, I'm losing money. Oh my God, I can't believe I'm paying this. Oh my goodness, I feel like I need to be more frugal. All these different things. It was a really big stressor for me, actually. And so what I started doing is whenever I swiped, I would instead say, there's more where that came from. There's more where that came from. And it felt so good because it felt like this ever-flowing ease and joy when it comes to spending money. By the way, spending money also on things that I really loved and cared about. Or even when I had my freaking root canal, I swiped my card on a very expensive tooth that I had to fix. And I just said, there's more where that came from. And it made the whole process a lot more enjoyable. I'm not going to lie. So I want you to sit down and ask yourself, what are some ways that you can make this new belief system a daily practice for yourself? Feel free to take any of the ones I just said and make them your own, or feel free to completely disregard anything I just said and create your own to begin with. And if you want to, share them with me. I would love to hear them. That'd be so cool. So take these four steps. Physically do this exercise. Because next week, we're going to be talking a lot more of the science behind money and having a business, aka charging and feeling damn good about your rates how to decide your rates, how to raise your rates, revenue goals, and how to have the strategy behind money as a business owner. Now, I'm going to go ahead and just say, I am not a CPA. I am not a CFA. I am not a financial advisor of any kind. So please know that a lot of the things that I'm going to be talking about are from my own personal experience as a business owner and as a coach but it is not going to be like the end-all be-all. I highly recommend, and this is something I do pretty often, talking to, especially if you're a business owner with like taxes or um, deciding if you want to become an LLC or a C-Corp or whatever. If you are looking into that style of strategy around money and holding a business and the financial and bookkeeping and all that kind of side, talk to a certified person in this field please do that. A lot of them offer free consultations or pay them for one consultation and let it blow your mind. When I was deciding whether or not I wanted to continue on as a um, sole proprietor or if I wanted to switch entirely to an LLC, I sat down with five different CPAs and I talked to them and I said, what do you think? What are the benefits? What are the not so benefits? And by the end of it, I was so clear on what I wanted my decision to be. And by the way, this was something that was like looming over my head for years, years about it. So I finally made my decision based off of that information that I received from professionals in the field. Again, we're not going to be talking about those styles of really 
in-depth things, if that is what you're looking for, or that is the next step for you in your business, talk to a CPA or a CFA. Seriously, just Google CPAs near me. That's all I did. And five came up. I looked at them. I liked them. I clicked them. I booked an appointment and the rest is history. What we're going to be talking about more is how to control your finances as a business owner around charging, around um, feeling like you deserve it. That was actually one that came up um, that really stood out to me in the in the submission forms. Um, so we're going to be talking about that a lot next week. But if this was helpful for you, please share it with a friend, share it on social, tag someone or send them a text. We all have that group text that with a bunch of friends where we share a bunch of perfectionist memes or whatever. If you have a group of entrepreneur friends, send this to them and say, hey, the, the business is only as powerful as the mindset of the CEO. So here's a money mindset um, exercise for you guys. But share this message. I am only one person and I can only share it as much as I humanly possibly try, but it does also help so much when you guys do that as well. If you also have not already, please rate the podcast and write a little love note in the review section. And this is not only with my podcast. If you have any podcast that you like and enjoy listening to on the reg, please hit that subscribe button Rate it however many stars you'd like to. Hopefully it's five if you listen to it often. And write a little review. It can be one sentence. It can be three words. It can be a freaking emoji. It doesn't matter. But that really helps get the word out there and helps it raise up the charts. So you guys, thank you so much. I hope you enjoyed this episode. I will see you next week for Money Part 2. Hopefully by then I will have full control of my nose and I won't sound like I have a head cold. I love you guys. Have an amazing week and I will talk to you soon. Bye. Thank you so much for listening to the Life Coach Baker podcast. Don't forget to check out Goal Smasher, my step-by-step technique to help you set clear goals, create an overwhelm-free plan, and learn the secret for keeping your motivation consistent and high. Check it out by going to the link in the show notes or by searching lifecoachbaker.com forward slash goal smasher. Also take a moment to rate the podcast and write a review. It is the best way to get the word out there. Plus you'll get the chance of having your review read on the show. Until next time, I'll talk to you soon. Bye.